Section 16 of The American Rivals of Sherlock Holmes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The American Rivals of Sherlock Holmes. The Campaign Grafter by Arthur B. Reed. Part 1. What a relief it will be when this election is over, and the newspapers print news again, I growled as I turned the first page of the star with a mere glance at the headlines. Yes, observed Kennedy, who was puzzling over a note which he had received in the morning mail. This is the bitterest campaign in years. Now, do you suppose that they are after me in a professional way, or are they trying to round me up as an independent voter? The letter which had called forth this remark was headed, The Travis Campaign Committee of the Reform League, and, as Kennedy evidently intended me to pass an opinion on it, I picked it up. It was only a few lines, requesting him to call during the morning, if convenient, on Wesley Travis, the candidate for governor, and the treasurer of his campaign committee, Dean Bennett. It had evidently been written in great haste in longhand the night before. Professional, I hazarded. There must be some scandal in the campaign for which they require your services. I suppose so, agreed Craig. Well, if it is business instead of politics, it has at least this merit. It is current business. I suppose you have no objection to going with me. Thus it came about that not very much later in the morning we found ourselves at the campaign headquarters, in the presence of two nervous and high-keyed gentlemen in frock-coats and silk hats. It would have taken no great astuteness, even without seeing the surroundings, to deduce instantly that they were engaged in the annual struggle of seeking the votes of their fellow-citizens for something or other, and were nearly worn out by the arduous nature of that process. Their headquarters were in a tower of a skyscraper, whence poured forth a torrent of appeal to the moral sense of the electorate, both in printed and oral form. Yet there was a different tone to the place from which I had ordinarily associated with political headquarters in previous campaigns. There was an absence of the old-fashioned politicians and of the air of intrigue laden with tobacco. Rather, there was an air of earnestness and efficiency which was decidedly prepossessing. Maps of the state were hanging on the walls, some stuck full of various colored pins denoting the condition of the canvas. A map of the city in colors, divided into all sorts of districts, told how fared the battle in the stronghold of the boss, Billy McLaughlin. Huge systems of card indexes, loose-leaf devices, labor-saving appliances for getting out a vast mass of campaign literature in a hurry, in short, a perfect system, such as a great, well-managed business might have been proud of, were in evidence everywhere. Wesley Travis was a comparatively young man, a lawyer who had early made a mark in politics, and had been astute enough to shake off the thraldom of the bosses before the popular uprising against them. Now he was the candidate of the Reform League for governor, and a good stiff campaign he was putting up. His campaign manager, Dean Bennett, 
was a business man whose financial interests were opposed to those usually understood to be behind Billy McLaughlin, of the regular party to which both Travis and Bennett might naturally have been supposed to belong in the old days. Indeed, the Reform League owed its existence to a fortunate conjunction of both moral and economic conditions demanding progress. "'Things have been going our way up to the present,' began Travis confidentially, when we were seated democratically with our campaign cigars lighted. "'Of course we haven't such a big barrel as our opponents, for we are not frying the fat out of the corporations, but the people have supported us nobly.' and I think the opposition of the vested interests has been a great help. We seem to be winning, and I say seem, only because one can never be certain how anything is going in this political game nowadays. You recall, Mr. Kennedy, reading in the papers that my country house out on Long Island was robbed the other day. Some of the reporters made much of it. To tell the truth, I think they had become so satiated with sensation that they were sure that the thing was put up by some muckrakers, and that there would be an expose of some kind. For the thief, whoever he was, seemed to have taken nothing from my library but a sort of scrapbook or album of photographs. It was a peculiar robbery, but as I had nothing to conceal, it didn't worry me. Well, I had all but forgotten it when a fellow came into Bennett's office here yesterday and demanded— Tell us what it was, Bennett. You saw him. Bennett cleared his throat. You see, it was this way. He gave his name as Harris Hanford, and described himself as a photographer. I think he has done work for Billy McLaughlin. At any rate, his offer was to sell us several photographs, and his story about them was very circumstantial. He hinted that they had been evidently among those stolen from Mr. Travis, and that in a roundabout way they had come into the possession of a friend of his without his knowing who the thief was he said that he had not made the photographs himself but had an idea by whom they were made that the original plates had been destroyed but that the person who made them was ready to swear that the pictures were taken after the nominating convention this fall which had named travis at any rate the photographs were out and the price for them was twenty five thousand dollars what are they that he should set such a price on them asked kennedy keenly looking from bennett quickly to travis travis met his look without flinching they are supposed to be photographs of myself he replied slowly one purports to represent me in a group on mclaughlin's porch at his farm on the south shore of the island about twenty miles from my place as hanford described it I am standing between McLaughlin and J. Cadwallader Brown, the trust promoter who is backing McLaughlin to save his investments. Brown's hand is on my shoulder, and we are talking familiarly. Another is a picture of Brown, McLaughlin, and myself riding in Brown's car, and in it Brown and I are evidently on the best of terms. Oh, there are several of them, all in the same vein. Now— he added, and his voice rose with emotion, as if he were addressing a cart-tail meeting, which must be convinced that there was nothing criminal in riding in a motor-car. I don't hesitate to admit that a year or so ago I was not on terms of intimacy with these men, but at least acquainted with them. 
at various times even as late as last spring i was present at conferences over the presidential outlook in this state and once i think i did ride back to the city with them but i know that there were no pictures taken and even if there had been i would not care if they told the truth about them i have frankly admitted in my speeches that i knew these men but my knowledge of them and breaking from them is my chief qualification for waging an effective war on them if i'm elected they hate me cordially you know that what i care about is the sworn allegation that now accompanies these these fakes they were not could not have been taken after the independent convention that nominated me if the photographs were true i would be a fine traitor but i haven't even seen mclaughlin or brown since last spring the whole thing is a lie from start to finish put in bennett emphatically yes travis we all know that i'd quit right now if i didn't believe in you but let us face the facts here is the story sworn to as hanford says and apparently acquiesced in by billy mclaughlin and cad brown what do they care anyhow as long as it is against you and there too are the pictures themselves at least they will be in print or suppressed according as we act now you know that nothing could hurt the reform ticket worse than to have an issue like this raised at this time we were supposed at least to be on the level with nothing to explain away there may be just enough people to believe that there is some basis for this suspicion to turn the tide against us if it were earlier in the campaign i'd say accept the issue fight it out to a finish and in the turn of events we should really have the best campaign material but it is too late now to expose such a knavish trick of theirs on the friday before election frankly i believe discretion is the better part of valor in this case and without abating a jot of my faith in you travis well i'd pay first and expose the fraud afterward after the election at leisure no i won't persisted travis shutting his square jaw doggedly i won't be held up the door had opened and a young lady in a very stunning street dress with a huge hat and a tantalizing veil stood in it for a moment hesitated and then was about to shut it with an apology for intruding on a conference i'll fight it if it takes my last dollar declared travis but i won't be blackmailed out of a cent good morning miss ashton i'll be free in a moment i'll see you in your office directly the girl with a portfolio of papers in her hand smiled and travis quickly crossed the room and held the door deferentially open as he whispered a word or two when she had disappeared he returned and remarked i suppose you've heard of miss margaret ashton the suffragette leader mr kennedy she is the head of our press bureau then a heightened look of determination set his fine face in hard lines and he brought his fist down on the desk no not a cent he thundered bennett shrugged his shoulders hopelessly and looked at kennedy in mock resignation as if to say what can you do with such a fellow travis was excitedly pacing the floor and waving his arms as if he were addressing a meeting in the enemy's country hanford comes at us in this way he continued growing more excited as he paced up and down he says plainly that the pictures will of course be accepted as among those stolen from me 
and in that i suppose he is right the public will swallow it when bennett told him i would prosecute he laughed and said go ahead i didn't steal the pictures that would be a great joke for travis to seek redress from the courts he is criticizing i guess he'd want to recall the decision if it went against him hey hanford says that a hundred copies have been made of each of the photographs and that this person whom we do not know has them ready to drop into the mail to the one hundred leading papers of the state in time for them to appear in the monday editions just before election day he says no amount of denying on our part can destroy the effect or at least he went further and said shake their validity but i repeat they are false for all i know it is a plot of mclaughlin's the last fight of a boss for his life driven into a corner and it is meaner than if he had attempted to forge a letter pictures appeal to the eye and mind much more than letters that's what makes the thing so dangerous billy mclaughlin knows how to make the best use of such a roar back on the eve of an election and even if i not only deny but prove that they are a fake i'm afraid the harm will be done i can't reach all the voters in time ten sees such a charge to one who sees the denial just so persisted bennett coolly you admit that we are practically helpless that's what i have been saying all along get control of the prince first travis for god's sake then raise any kind of howl you want before election or after as i say if we had a week or two it might be all right to fight but we can make no move without making fools of ourselves until they are published monday as the last big thing of the campaign the rest of monday and the tuesday morning papers do not give us time to reply even if they were published to-day we should hardly have time to expose the plot hammer it in and make the issue an asset instead of a liability no you must admit it yourself there isn't time we must carry out the work we have so carefully planned to cap the campaign and if we are diverted by this it means a let-up in our final efforts and that is as good as mclaughlin wants anyhow now kennedy don't you agree with me squelch the pictures now at any cost then follow the thing up and if we can prosecute after the election kennedy and i who had been so far little more than interested spectators had not presumed to interrupt finally craig asked you have copies of the pictures no replied bennett this hanford is a brazen fellow but he was too astute to leave them i saw them for an instant they look bad and the affidavits with them look worse hmm considered kennedy turning the crisis over in his mind we've had alleged stolen and forged letters before but alleged stolen and forged photographs are new i'm not surprised that you are alarmed bennett nor that you want to fight travis then you will take up the case urged the latter eagerly forgetting both his campaign manager and his campaign manners and leaning forward almost like a prisoner in the dock to catch the words of the foreman of the jury you will trace down the forger of those pictures before it is too late i haven't said i'll do that yet answered craig measuredly i haven't even said i'd take up the case 
politics is a new game to me mr travis if i go into this thing i want to go into it and stay in it well you know how you lawyers put it with clean hands on one condition i'll take the matter up and on only one name it cried travis anxiously of course having been retained by you continued craig with provoking slowness it is not reasonable to suppose that if i find how shall i put it bluntly yes if i find that the story of hanford has some um foundation it is not reasonable to suppose that i should desert you and go over to the other side neither is it to be supposed that i will continue and carry such a thing through for you regardless of truth what i ask is to have a free hand to be able to drop the case the moment i cannot proceed further in justice to myself drop it and keep my mouth shut you understand these are my conditions and no less and you think you can make good questioned bennett rather skeptically you're willing to risk it you don't think it would be better to wait until after the election is won you have heard my conditions reiterated craig done broke in travis i'm going to fight it out bennett if we get in wrong by dickering with them at the start it may be worse for us in the end paying amounts to confession bennett shook his head dubiously i'm afraid this will suit mclaughlin's purpose just as well photographs are like statistics they don't lie unless the people who make them do but it's hard to tell what a liar can accomplish with either in an election say dean you're not going to desert me reproached travis you're not offended at my kicking over the traces are you bennett rose placed a hand on travis's shoulder and grasped his other wesley he said earnestly i wouldn't desert you even if the pictures were true i knew it responded travis heartily then let mr kennedy have one day to see what he can do then if we make no progress we'll take your advice dean we'll pay i suppose and ask mr kennedy to continue the case after next tuesday with the proviso put in craig with the proviso kennedy repeated travis your hand on that say i think i've shaken hands with half the male population of this state since i was nominated but this means more to me than any of them colonists either bennett or myself the moment you need aid spare no reasonable expense and-and get the goods no matter whom it hits higher up even if it is cadwallader brown himself good-bye and a thousand thanks oh by the way wait let me take you around and introduce you to miss ashton she may be able to help you the office of bennett and travis was in the centre of the suite on one side were the cashier and the clerical force as well as the speaker's bureau where spellbinders of all degrees were getting instruction tours were being laid out and reports received from meetings already held on the other side was the press bureau with a large and active force in charge of miss ashton who was supporting travis because he had most emphatically declared for votes for women and had insisted that his party put this plank in its platform miss ashton was a clever girl a graduate of a famous woman's college and had had several years of newspaper experience before she became a leader in the suffrage cause 
i recalled having read and heard a great deal about her though i had never met her the ashtons were well known in new york society and it was a sore trial to some of her conservative friends that she should reject what they considered the proper sphere for women among those friends i understood was cadwallader brown himself travis had scarcely more than introduced us yet already i scented a romance behind the ordinarily prosaic conduct of a campaign press bureau it is far from my intention to minimize the work or the ability of the head of the press bureau but it struck me both then and later that the candidate had an extraordinary interest in the newspaper campaign much more than in the speaker's bureau and i am sure that it was not solely accounted for by the fact that publicity is playing a more and more important part in political campaigning nevertheless such innovations as her card index system by election districts all over the state showing the attitude of the various newspaper editors of local political leaders and changes of sentiment were very full and valuable kennedy who had a regular pigeonhole mind for facts was visibly impressed by this huge mechanical memory built up by miss ashton though he said nothing to me i knew he had also observed the state of affairs between the reform candidate and the suffrage leader it was at a moment when travis had been called back to his office that kennedy who had been eyeing miss ashton with marked approval leaned over and said in a low voice miss ashton i think i can trust you do you want to do a great favor for mr travis she did not betray even by a fleeting look on her face what the true state of her feelings was although i fancied that the readiness of her assent had perhaps more meaning than she would have placed in a simple yes otherwise i suppose you know that an attempt is being made to blackmail mr travis added kennedy quickly i know something about it she replied in a tone which left it for granted that travis had told her before even we were called in i felt that not unlikely travis's set determination to fight might be traceable to her advice or at least to her opinion of him i suppose in a large force like this it is not impossible that your political enemies may have a spy or two observed kennedy glancing about at the score or more of clerks busily engaged in getting out literature i have sometimes thought that myself she agreed but of course i don't know still i have to be pretty careful someone is always over here by my desk or looking over here there isn't much secrecy in a big room like this i never leave important stuff lying about where any of them could see it yes mused kennedy what time does the office close we shall finish to-night about nine i think to-morrow it may be later well then if i should call here to-night at say half-past nine could you be here i need hardly say that your doing so may be of inestimable value to-to the campaign i shall be here she promised giving her hand with a peculiar straight-arm shake and looking him frankly in the face with those eyes which even the old guard in the legislature admitted were vote-winners kennedy was not quite ready to leave yet 
but sought out travis and obtained permission to glance over the financial end of the campaign there were few large contributors to travis's fund but a host of small sums ranging from ten and twenty-five dollars down to dimes and nickels truly it showed the depth of the popular uprising kennedy also glanced hastily over the items of expense rent salaries stenographer and office force advertising printing and stationery postage telephone telegraph automobile and traveling expenses and miscellaneous matters as kennedy expressed it afterwards as against the small driblets of money coming in large sums were going out for expenses in lumps campaigning in these days costs money even when done honestly the miscellaneous account showed some large indefinite items and after a hasty calculation kennedy made out that if all the obligations had to be met immediately the committee would be in the hole for several thousand dollars in short i argued as we were leaving this will either break travis privately or put his fund in hopeless shape or does it mean that he foresees defeat and is taking this way to recoup himself under cover of being held up kennedy said nothing in response to my suspicions though i could see that in his mind he was leaving no possible clue unnoted it was only a few blocks to the studio of harris hanford whom kennedy was now bent on seeing we found him in an old building on one of the side streets in the thirties which business had captured his was a little place on the top floor up three flights of stairs and i noticed as we climbed up that the room next to his was vacant our interview with hanford was short and unsatisfactory he either was or at least posed as representing a third party in the affair and absolutely refused to permit us to have even a glance at the photographs my dealings he asserted airily must all be with mr bennett or with mr travis direct not with emissaries i don't make any secret about it the prints were not here they are safe and ready to be produced at the right time either to be handed over for the money or to be published in the newspapers we have found out all about them we are satisfied although the negatives have been destroyed as for their having been stolen from travis you can put two and two together they are out and copies have been made of them good copies if mr travis wishes to repudiate them let him start proceedings i told bennett all about that to-morrow is the last day and i must have bennett's answer then without any interloper coming into it if it is yes well and good if not then they know what to expect good-bye it was still early in the forenoon and kennedy's next move was to go out on long island to examine the library at travis's from which the pictures were said to have been stolen at the laboratory kennedy and i loaded ourselves with a large oblong black case containing a camera and a tripod his examination of the looted library was minute taking in the window through which the thief had apparently entered the cabinet he had forced and the situation in general 
finally craig set up his camera with most particular care and took several photographs of the window the cabinet the doors including the room from every angle outside he snapped the two sides of corner of the house in which the library was situated partly by trolley and partly by carriage he crossed the island to the south shore and finally found mclaughlin's farm where we had no trouble in getting half a dozen photographs of the porch and house altogether the proceedings seemed tame to me yet i knew from previous experience that kennedy had a deep laid purpose we parted in the city to meet just before it was time to visit miss ashton kennedy had evidently employed the interval in developing his plates for he now had ten or a dozen prints all of exactly the same size mounted on stiff cardboard in a space with scales and figures on all four sides he saw me puzzling over them these are metric photographs such as bertillon of paris takes he explained by means of the scales and tables and other methods that have been worked out we can determine from those pictures distances and many other things almost as well as if we were on the spot itself bertillon has cleared up many crimes with this help such as the mystery of the shooting in the hotel quai and other cases the metric photograph i believe will rank in time with the portrait parlay fingerprints and the rest for instance in order to solve the riddle of a crime the detective's first task is to study the scene topographically plans and elevations of a room or a house are made the position of each object is painstakingly noted in addition the all-seeing eye of the camera is called into requisition the plundered room is photographed as in this case i might have done it by placing a foot rule on a table and taking that in the picture but a more scientific and accurate method has been devised by bertillon his camera lens is always used at a fixed height from the ground and forms its image on the plate at an exact focus the print made from the negative is mounted on a card in a space of definite size along the edges of which a metric scale is printed in the way he has worked it out the distance between any two points in the picture can be determined with the topographical plan and the metric photograph one can study a crime as a general studies the map of a strange country there were several peculiar things that i observed to-day and i have here an indelible record of the scene of the crime preserved in this way it cannot be questioned now the photographs were in this cabinet there are other cabinets but none of them has been disturbed therefore the thief must have known just what he was after the marks made in breaking the lock were not those of a jimmy but of a screwdriver no amazing command of the resources of science is needed so far all that is necessary is a little scientific common sense walter now how did the robber get in all the windows and doors were supposedly locked it is alleged that a pane was cut from this window at the side it was and the pieces were there to show it but take a glance at this outside photograph to reach that window even a tall man must have stood on a ladder or something 
there are no marks of a ladder or of any person in the soft soil under the window what is more that window was cut from the inside the marks of the diamond which cut it plainly show that scientific common sense again then it must have been someone in the house or at least someone familiar with it i exclaimed kennedy nodded one thing we have which the police greatly neglect he pursued a record we have made some progress in reconstructing the crime as bertillon calls it if we only had those hanford pictures we should be all right we were now on our way to see miss ashton at headquarters and as we rode downtown i tried to reason out the case had it really been a put-up job was travis himself faking and was the robbery a plant by which he might forestall exposure of what had become public property in the hands of another no longer disposed to conceal it or was it after all the last desperate blow of the boss the whole thing began to assume a suspicious look in my mind although kennedy seemed to have made little real progress i felt that far from aiding travis it made things darker there was nothing but his unsupported word that he had not visited the boss subsequent to the nominating convention he admitted having done so before the reform league came into existence besides it seemed tacitly understood that both the boss and cadwallader brown acquiesced in the sworn statement of the man who said he had made the pictures added to that the mere existence of the actual pictures themselves was a graphic clincher to the story personally if i had been in kennedy's place i think i should have taken advantage of the proviso in the compact with travis to back out gracefully kennedy however now started on the case hung to it tenaciously miss ashton was waiting for us at the press bureau her desk was at the middle of one end of the room in which if she could keep an eye on her office force the office force could also keep an eye on her kennedy had apparently taken in the arrangement during our morning visit for he set to work immediately the side of the room toward the office of travis and bennett presented an expanse of blank wall with a mallet he quickly knocked a hole in the rough plaster just above the baseboard about the room the hole did not penetrate quite through to the other side in it he placed a round disc of vulcanized rubber with insulated wires leading down the back of the baseboard then out underneath it and under the carpet some plaster quickly closed up the cavity in the wall and he left it to dry next he led the wires under the carpet to miss ashton's desk there they ended under the carpet and a rug eighteen or twenty huge coils several feet in diameter disposed in such a way as to attract no attention by a curious foot on the carpet which covered them that is all miss ashton he said as we watched for his next move i shall want to see you early to-morrow and-might i ask you to be sure to wear that hat which you have on it was a very becoming hat but kennedy's tone clearly indicated that it was not his taste in 
inverted basket millinery that prompted the request she promised smiling for even a suffragette may like pretty hats craig had still to see travis and report on his work the candidate was waiting anxiously at his hotel after a big political mass meeting on the east side at which capitalism and the bosses had been hissed to the echo if that is possible what success inquired travis eagerly i'm afraid replied kennedy and the candidate's face fell at the tone i'm afraid you'll have to meet them for the present the time limit will expire to-morrow and understand hanford is coming up for a final answer we must have copies of those photographs even if we have to pay for them there seems to be no other way travis sank back in his chair and regarded kennedy hopelessly he was actually pale you you don't mean to say that there is no other way that i'll have to admit even before bennett and others that i'm in bad i wouldn't put it that way said kennedy mercilessly i thought it is that way travis asserted almost fiercely why we could have done that anyhow no no i i don't mean that pardon me i'm upset by this go ahead he sighed you will direct bennett to make the best terms he can with hanford when he comes up to-morrow have him arrange the details of payment and then rush the best copies of the photographs to me travis seemed crushed end of the campaign grafter by arthur b reeve part one